Hello and welcome in to a new edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com, and we're going to get into a whole lot of Nuggets conversations today because tomorrow is the Nuggets' first day of the regular season. I'm recording this Tuesday night, so you'll probably be hearing this tomorrow morning, which means that it's now today is the day that the Nuggets will be starting out. But I want to get into all kinds of stuff to look into. So first of all, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who has been so awesome throughout the um, growth that of just me starting with Blue Wire Podcast Network. This has been something that's been a lot of fun, and people have really bought in and been along for the ride, and it means the world to me. So please keep subscribing. Please keep leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating. Please reach out to me and let me know which ways that you think I can improve the podcast. I am here for you guys. I'm here for Nuggets fans. So anything I can do to make the show better, please let me know. But thank you guys so much for following along. We're going to get into a few different things today. Of course, Malik Beasley and Wancher Hernan Gomez did not agree to an extension yesterday. I already have an article up on MileHighSports.com outlining my thoughts on that situation. So if you want to go read that, I'll link it in the Mile High Sports article for this podcast, but definitely make sure that you go read that piece. In addition to that, I want to talk about the Nuggets practice on Tuesday, another article that I wrote. Michael Porter Jr. had a lot to say, as did Michael Malone, about each other. And I thought it was a very revealing conversation about how Michael Porter Jr. is mentally more ready for this season than we originally anticipated, how Michael Malone may not be playing him minutes to start the year, but how there's absolutely plans to be able to get him more involved. And really the juxtaposition between Michael Porter Jr. representing the ideal small small forward to fit with this Denver Nuggets team with all of his talent, all of his skill level, and the fact that the Nuggets feel they need to make him earn it. It's a very interesting juxtaposition. So if you want to read about it, that is also up on MileHighSports.com, but I want to talk about that on this podcast as well. Then I'll get into what to watch for against the Portland Trailblazers on Wednesday night for the Nuggets' first regular season game of the season, and then we will answer some questions from listeners as we always do. Before I go any further, I need to give some love to a couple people. First and foremost, Axios. They are my favorite place to go to for just news. Whether it's political commentary, whether it's sports updates, no matter what it may be, Axios has been phenomenal for it. So make sure you go subscribe to their sports newsletter. Make sure you read their stuff online. Make sure if you're trying to stay up to date on politics that you pay attention to what they're doing because they are phenomenal at what they do. Additionally, the Regulators Production Group are the people who created the beats for the intro and outro of this podcast. Without them, I sound much more mediocre, so please go follow at Regulators Regime on Instagram and reach out to at Rod Simba, that's R-O-D-S-Y-M-B-A, for any of your audio production needs. Regulator, the regulators are awesome at what they do. So let's quickly talk about Malik Beasley and Wancho Hernan Gomez and the fact that they did not come to extensions with the Denver Nuggets. Um, before this, you know, before the deadline day had arrived, which was the 21st, which was Monday, I was speculating quite a bit that the Nuggets were not going to get a deal done with Malik Beasley. It came out through Bobby Marks that the Nuggets had offered Malik Beasley three years, $30 million a couple months ago, and Malik Beasley had turned it down. Beasley then went and got Rich Paul of Clutch Sports, arguably, or it's not even arguably, he is the most renowned agent in the NBA and one of the most talented agents in all of sports. So he went and hired him in Clutch Sports, which means that he was not playing around. Malik Beasley was looking to get paid, and justifiably so. Gary Harris only had one good season when he got paid seven and a half million dollars a year at the bare minimum, not including incentives. Will Barton is making 14 million a year. Mason Plumley is making 13.5 million a year. 
from Malik Beasley's perspective, why is he not worth at least that much? For him to get an offer in the $10 million per year range, I can see why that would feel like a slap in the face, which of course led to the breakdown in conversations um, leading up to deadline day for an extension. Now, the question is, how much more difficult is it going to be to keep Malik Beasley in the Mile High City? I would make the argument it is now looking very much so like Malik Beasley will not be a member of the Denver Nuggets in 2020-21. First of all, the Nuggets aren't going to have enough money. I also wrote a piece up on Mile High Sports a couple weeks ago, kind of projecting what it may cost to keep Malik Beasley in Denver. And I kind of put a placeholder in for Jeremy Grant at $17.5 million a year, which is just a projection. It's kind of just what I think it'll be. And if he gets that and the Nuggets re-sign uh, Wancho Hernan Gomez between $8 and $10 million a year, if the Nuggets then give Malik Beasley $17.5, you're talking about having 10 players on the roster and already deep into the luxury tax. So the Nuggets aren't going to have the money to give to him. It's just a matter of a fact at this point. So what does that mean for the Nuggets going forward? How is how can restricted free agency play out? I got a couple questions about how about which teams are going to have cap space. I don't even want to get into that because of the situation with China. If the if the NBA and China don't come to an agreement on what is going on and find a way to keep money coming in, the salary cap is going to be affected. So I'm not really sure who's going to have money, which does play in the Nuggets' favor. What does not play in the Nuggets' favor is that Malik Beasley is six foot five, just a hair under two hundred pounds, one of the most athletic players in the entire NBA, one of the best shooters in the entire NBA, and he is still only like 23 years old. There are going to be so many teams, whether they're contenders, whether they're teams who are rebuilding, who want to bring Malik Beasley in as a part of what they are building. And having Rich Paul as his agent is just going to allow there to be more. Uh, it just creates, a, you have, okay, this is the best way to rephrase this. Malik Beasley hired the agent with the most connections in the entire NBA. So if you're going to enter restricted free agency, you're going to want an agent who knows absolutely Absolutely everybody and everything that can create the best possible market for you. The Nuggets may be able to keep him for cheap if they if they're if the only offer sheets he get are are about what they want to pay. I do not anticipate that happening. I have a very hard time seeing a team. I, I don't I don't see a situation in which an opposing team doesn't throw Malik Beasley something like 17 million a year. I just don't see it, and I don't believe the Nuggets would pay that kind of money. So Malik Beasley not agreeing to an extension as officially, in my opinion, placed one foot out of the door and that's going to be a tough thing for the Nuggets to deal with he is an extremely talented player who has really grown well with this Denver Nuggets organization but it may just end up being a situation where the Nuggets just can't afford to allocate that much money to one player who, who blatantly just can't start on this team Michael Malone has said that he does not think he can start at small forward he thinks he's too small whether or not you know the listener of the show or I agree with that is completely irrelevant Michael Malone does not feel that he could play Malik Beasley at small forward as a starter that means that unless he somehow finds a way to start over Gary Harris, which I do not see happening, Malik Beasley will be relegated to a bench role his entire time in Denver. So, if you're Malik Beasley, why don't you bet on yourself to go get a starting role and more money elsewhere? It just makes the most sense for him, and it also relates to the fact that he went and got Rich Paul, which sounds to me like he's trying to find the best possible situation for himself. The other hard part of this conversation is Wancho Hernan Gomez, because who the hell knows what he can be offered? Who knows what he's worth? Who knows what team might throw money at him? That is a completely... Um, it's, a, it's just a volatile situation. There's so many alternatives as to what could happen with Wancho Hernan Gomez's contract situation, 
Could the Orlando Magic kind of a team offer him $10 million a year? Could the Hawks offer him $10 million a year? Is there a team that is willing to give him a good chunk of money to be able to add a floor-spacing big? I don't know. I assume there's a team out there who will at least offer him something near the mid-level exception. But again, that's speculating. What, um, what I would say is that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for Juancho Hernan Gomez to just immediately agree to an extension with the Nuggets. From what I have seen and from what I would be willing to speculate on, it seems like no matter what, even if it's just a qualifying offer, Wancho Hernan Gomez has a place to land with the Denver Nuggets. He's a phenomenal locker room guy. He's as close with anybody to um, to Nikola Jokic on the team, and he provides a lot of benefit at a cheaper rate on the end of the bench. So I wouldn't be surprised if he is willing to risk it and go into restricted free agency to see if a team will pay him quite a bit of money, knowing that if everything goes awry, he can still land with the Nuggets for a season. But either way, this does not do well for the long term. I would say now Malik Beasley is likely to be traded. This is not sourced information, but when you have a player that clearly is outside of your price range that you couldn't agree to an extension on that you could potentially lose for nothing this offseason, it just makes the most sense to at least look into the trade market for said player. Malik Beasley paired with a guy like Mason Plumley can really bring in quite an asset because you have a Mason Plumley guy who's getting $13.5 million a year on an expiring contract and then a young player in Malik Beasley who you can re-sign using their bird rights at any point regardless of if you're under or over the cap. So it makes a lot of sense to look to trade Malik Beasley. Uh, Watcher Hernan Gomez, I guess you could trade him. I'm not sure what value he presents to other teams because he has not really been able to show what he can do, but... It's it's very possible the Nuggets could trade him as well. I do think the Nuggets have an idea that they could keep Wancho Hernan Gomez. I do think they're starting to feel the pressure of the fact that they probably will not be able to keep Malik Beasley. We're going to take a quick break. I will come back. I want to talk briefly about the Nuggets' practice on Tuesday before hitting what to watch for against for the Nuggets' very first game of the regular season against the Portland Trailblazers. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time-consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up, and it's free. Sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even happens. And best of all, there's no paywall, there's no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try for free 99 at sports.axios.com. Let's talk 
about practice on Tuesday because really, yes, there wasn't a whole lot that happened. It was the last day of practice before the regular season, but I had a couple things that I found interesting. Um, the first one was that the Nuggets were as loose as I can remember them at practice. They were laughing. They were having a great time. There was dunk contests for no reason. The shooting contest got absolutely insane. Michael po- or Wancho Hernan Gomez was dancing everywhere he went. Nikola Jokic put down a one-handed alley-oop dunk. There was so much just excitement and happiness in that gym we happened to get in there and that's just a great sign the Nuggets aren't feeling the pressure right now at least and that's right now we'll see how it is later on but overall the Nuggets do not look like they're feeling the pressure of the season or the pressure of the expectations that have been weighted upon them instead they look like they're just doing what they do they're young kids who love to play basketball who are having a great time doing it and are doing so professionally and making quite a bit of money doing so and are looking to win basketball games it seems overly simplified when you say it like that but the matter of a fact is is that it is that simple for a lot of people they just enjoy the game and that's when they are at their best when they're just having fun this Nuggets team being the second young team in the NBA, I would argue that that when they're having fun, they are the best version of themselves, and that's a product of Nikola Jokic, their best player, and it's a product of their youth as a team. Nikola Jokic is not the kind of guy who does well in extremely tense situations. It's not that he can't handle pressure. He absolutely can. He had one of the, arguably, one of the greatest postseason runs in NBA history last year, but he is just he is much more impactful when he is just going out there and having fun and then you could feel that vibe today at practice during Jamal Murray's interview he couldn't even stay focused because he was just like he was just watching his teammates dunk he was laughing he was getting up and cheering for him everybody was just so loose and comfortable today and i thought like that was extremely notable uh, Michael Malone did say he has a very good idea of who is going to start at small forward, but would not say who. In typical Michael Malone fashion, he said that he would not tell anybody until tip-off against the Trailblazers tomorrow night. But as Adam Mates of DNVR kindly reminded him of, there is a new rule, which means you have to announce it 30 minutes before. So that was just a funny little moment. Again, Malone was loose just in the same way. He actually was phenomenal. Him and Michael Porter Jr., which I'll talk about here in just a couple seconds, they were just so great in terms of of providing some insight into what the Nuggets are doing as a team and in terms of what is happening behind the scenes. Um, Still, though, it was just really cool to see how comfortable the Nuggets were and Malone also be a part of that. When it comes to who starts, like I said before in the last podcast, I do think it's Will Barton and then Torrey Craig backs him up. It could be either way, though. I really don't know. Um, It did seem like Monte Morris tipped his hand, saying that he put Torrey Craig a lot off the bench, but who knows? Michael Malone is the key, is the king of being able to misdirection when it comes to these kinds of things. Um, the last thing I want to talk about from practice is Michael Porter Jr.'s mental awareness and mental preparation for his first NBA season. And I wrote about this extensively. I have a 1,300-word article up with tons of quotes from Michael Malone and Michael Porter Jr. on MileHighSports.com. But I think what this really comes down to is one particular circumstance is a beautiful example for what is happening. So let's talk about the last preseason game of the season against the Portland Trailblazers. Michael Porter Jr. spoke about how he was mentally checked out of this game, how he was not mentally prepared or in the right mindset to play. He said he was frustrated. He said his family was in town and he wanted to play well for them. He kept watching guys go in and out and didn't get a chance to play until all the scrubs were in, and he was frustrated. And at at first glance, you could see that and be like, you know what? That's a red flag. That's someone who is being a prima donna who expects things and all of those different superlatives that you want to throw on a player that is young and wants a lot of things. That is not how I took it. If anything, it was almost a self-reflection moment for Michael Porter Jr. He said, 
I envisioned after the game to text his head coach, Michael Malone, and remind him, or just tell him that I'm not, I, I know it was my fault and I know I played bad. What is so interesting about that to me is Michael Porter Jr. is not only accepting his own faults, he is completely aware of them and is actively working to fix them, regardless of whatever fault it may be. If he's not as good as an off-ball scorer, he's trying to get better as an off-ball scorer. If the narrative around him was that he wasn't a good defender, he's given a lot of effort on defense. Malone wants him to be a good rebounder, he is attacking the glass relentlessly. I have noticed that this juxtaposition... Michael Porter Jr. is mentally ready for the NBA now. I don't know if that's because he had a redshirt season in the NBA. I don't know if this was always who he was. But as of right now, how he is acting, how is he is responding, how he is played, how he is interacting with people, he is ready for the NBA. And the funny juxtaposition is or to this is the fact that there are only 10 players who are going to get meaningful playing time on this Denver Nuggets roster. Eight of them are set in stone. Monte Morris, Gary Harris, Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, or sorry, Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley. Beyond them, there are four small forwards with only two spots left. And it seems like Will Barton and Torrey Craig are going to get those two spots, which essentially means that Michael Porter Jr. is not in the rotation as things are currently constructed. Despite that, he is still entirely willing to put the work in and be the best player that he can possibly be. And that is the mental awareness, that is the mental readiness that I did not expect him to have. So the fact that he was completely willing to speak about the fact that he was wrong to be not mentally prepared, to be completely open with the fact that, yes, he texted uh, Michael Malone and told him he was wrong, the fact that he has been open about his issues and his frustrations and that he is trying to get better, all of it tells me everything I need to know about his mental preparation. And it feels like he is just ready ready to be an NBA player. I did not think he would be this ready. I, I did not think mentally that he was this locked into being the best player he can be. He has been the best player on every court he has ever played on since he was a child. And yet, even though he's not that guy abruptly anymore, he is taking everything on the chin and trying to learn from it in the most meaningful way possible. And to me, that is just such an important distinction to make because that is how he is going to be the best version of himself. And this is this is what I really wrote about on Mile High Sports, the juxtaposition that is now existing between, of course the Nuggets want to play a supremely talented, just absolutely incredible skill level in a very young player who happens to fit their needs perfectly. Of course they want to play them. But are you going to get the best version of Michael Porter Jr. if you do it that way? I would make the argument that no, you would not. Making him earn everything, every step of the way is maybe it's not bringing him along the quickest way possible, but it's teaching him to be the right player. He's doing things in the correct way. He is having to earn everything that he gets at the NBA level, which is going to make him a better player. So in my opinion, this could not be handled better by both parties, whether it's Michael Malone and the coaching staff or whether it's Michael Porter Jr. This has been a flawless, seamless transition for him, which of course has had its trials and tribulations, but mentally he is just ready to be in this circumstance. Obviously in a couple of weeks when he's not playing at all, it may be more difficult to swallow these pills, but overall it just feels like he is comfortable and understands what is happening around him. So I think that this is all a big blessing. I think he is. this is all going to make him a better player overall, and I can't wait to see what he ends up like after these trials and tribulations that he is having to fight through. 
So now I want to talk about what to watch for in the game against the Portland Trailblazers. And really, there's not a whole lot of analysis to talk about in this. That's why I'm just quickly adding it to the end of the second segment here. But I think the biggest takeaways, there's going to be five, in my opinion, is, of course, who starts a small forward? Everybody is just waiting to see who takes off their warm-ups and enters the court as the starting small forward. I would put 65% chance it's Will Barton and a 35% chance it's Torrey Craig, but who knows? But I people just want to see who it is so we can really get into analyzing what we're going to be seeing. The other thing, which 10 players are going to be in Michael Malone's rotation? Because the big thing here is, is Michael Porter in the rotation? Michael Malone said, full stop during practice today when I asked him, that Michael Porter Jr. might not play at all against the Portland Trailblazers tomorrow. Which 10 players are going to be in that rotation? I already specified the, the what I feel about the rotation, but it's going to anticipate the first people off the bench being Monte Morris and Jeremy Grant, but we'll just have to wait in this game. But they were awful in their first three. Is this going to be a situation that's going to catch up to them? That's really an interesting question for me that I want to know about. Lastly, can Denver exercise their demons of losing in the semifinals against the Portland Trailblazers? They're getting an immediate opportunity to go fix their issues of the past and be able to start the season off on the right foot against the team that ended their season last year. So that's that. That's really the last thing that I'm curious to see how they show up for. Is this, is this really a rivalry? Are there really people who are taking this game more seriously than you would anticipate? I don't know. I need to see it first, but it's going to be an interesting thing to see play out in real time for the very first regular season game of the season. We're going to take one more quick break and I am going to come back and we're going to answer some questions about from the from the mailbag because I think that listeners have had a lot of good questions recently and I want to get into them. So I'm going to answer five questions on the other side. So stick with the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast. I don't know if you guys are like me, but when I look good, I feel good. Indochino was founded on the belief that you do not need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. Again, when I'm wearing a custom-fitted suit with a custom-tailored shirt and a beautiful new tie and some tailored pants, I feel better. I feel like I can do even more than I originally did. So that's why I always use Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. The best part is that they are affordable. Almost all of their custom clothing is under $400. The process is simple. Choose your fabric, pick your customations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or just do it all online at Indochino.com. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout. Plus, shipping is entirely free. That's Indochino.com promo code BLUEWIRE for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. An incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse to be wearing clothes that don't fit. All right. 
let's let's talk about some questions that came in from listeners of the show, which first of all, thank you to everyone who sends in questions. I love answering on the show. I really like including fans into everything that I do. So being able to have Nuggets fans be able to speak their mind and get questions answered is a really fun thing in my opinion. So to all the listeners who send questions in, thank you very much. I take questions on Instagram. I take questions on Twitter more often than not. You can email me at tmcbride3793 at gmail. You can DM them to me. You can even reply. You can even go into the podcast page on Apple Podcasts and just re- and then put it in as one of the comments in there. I don't care how you get them to me. I will do my best to find them and I will do my best to answer them in the most pot in the most you know. Uh, I guess, revealing way possible. So let's just get into it. Uh, Doris Burke the Goat is the name of the Twitter follower who sent this one in. So first of all, shouts to you for having obviously the greatest name on Twitter because Doris Burke is absolutely the best and also a listener of all kinds of Nuggets content. So shouts to Doris. But... She asked, or she, I don't really know, you said that the Denver that Denver is not a basketball city. Do you think with a period of sustained success that there can be growth in the popularity of the sport? I was actually talking about this tonight. Um, what's so interesting about this to me is that, no, Den- I don't think Denver will ever be a absolute basketball city. This is a football town first and foremost. You will never overtake the Broncos in terms of city popularity in terms of a team. So no, I don't think it'll ever actually get to those levels. The real question is, can they overtake the Avalanche, who have some serious diehard fans? Can they overtake the Rockies, which is the most fun, casual place to go for fans to go get drinks and hang out with friends? In my opinion, I don't think they have a way to do that. Um, yes, sustained uh, sustained progress and success may help out in the long run and yes there's people moving here every day from different cities that could help as well but the fabric of what makes Denver Denver are the Broncos and that's not ever going to be superseded and I don't think that there will ever be people who are going to Nuggets games casually as like they do for Rockies games and during the winter there are more diehard ass fans than Nuggets fans these are just realities that I have accepted and while I would love to see this city become more of a basketball city I do not see a route in which that can actually happen I would love to be proved wrong I would absolutely love it but I don't see it happening I just genuinely do not uh, Bear Stradamus on Twitter asks, will Michael Porter Jr. break into the rotation early or later in the year? I think that if Michael Porter Jr. continues to do exactly what he has been doing, which is buy in completely mentally and be involved as much as he can and trust the process, as he said today, then yes, I think it'll be sooner rather than later. Michael Malone wants to make him earn it. He doesn't want to purposely keep him out of the lineup out of spite. That is not the circumstance that is happening for this for this team. So in my opinion, so long as Michael Porter Jr. continues to prove that he belongs in the NBA mentally and in terms of his preparation, not just his physical gifts, then I do think it'll be sooner rather than later. I think the Nuggets need to. He's their best option to be the you know the future small forward of this team. If they can't find a way to get him included, it's going to be a long uh, it's going to be a long few years because he represents everything they're looking for in a small forward. So I would anticipate that Michael Malone finds a way to make him involved in the rotation sooner rather than later. The real question is whose minutes get cut to do that. 
Do the Nuggets just decide that they're not going to play Torrey Craig anymore? Do the Nuggets decide that they're not going to play Mason Plumlee and try and get Jeremy Grant back up five minutes and play Michael Porter Jr. at the four? I really don't know how they're going to create that or if who they, who they would take out of their rotation, but it's going to be hyper-interesting to see what happens throughout the next couple weeks. CJ Morgan asked, does this make Malik Beasley even more likely to be traded? I spoke about this a little bit in the first segment, but I want to hit it again because I think it's really important. Yes, I do. I think this absolutely puts Malik Beasley on the trading block because he is hyper-valuable, and on top of that, the Nuggets cannot afford him, as I spoke about earlier. If Malik Beasley comes in, starting the conversation money-wise at anything less than $20 million, I'd be surprised. Malik Beasley has an argument that he deserves Gary Harris' money, and Gary Harris, including incentives, makes $21 million a year. So why wouldn't you start at $20 million? The Nuggets have no ability to pay him that money. So, if Tim Connolly is as smart as we all think he is, which he absolutely is, he will be looking for a trade to make with Malik Beasley, potentially. If no good trade materializes... Tim Connolly will not trade a player just to trade a player. So we'll have to just wait and see, but this does absolutely um, increase the odds that Malik Beasley gets traded. Same with Walter Hernan Gomez, by the way, but a little bit less in that way. Peter Penn asks, who would you keep, Wancho Hernan Gomez or Malik Beasley? This is a loaded question for a couple reasons. If you're just talking about pure talent level, I'm taking Malik Beasley. I am going to pick Wancho Hernan Gomez, though, because first of all, he'll be much cheaper, which is important for the Nuggets going forward. They need to be able to keep some financial flexibility available. Secondly, he is a great fit with Nikola Jokic and just as a finisher, as a floor spacer. If he can get better defensively, he is so great off-ball offensively already that he will always be able to help the game in some facet. Third, he's a very good friend with Nikola Jokic, and I think it's important to keep Nikola Jokic happy, so trading away yet another one of his close friends, with the past ones being Mike Miller, Richard Jefferson, and Jameer Nelson, it would also not be very fun. So I do think it's important to keep him for that reason as well. So my answer there would just have to be Juancho Hernan Gomez. Last question from Grant Carey. How much do you think another team will give Malik and Juancho? Malik Beasley, in my opinion, will be offered a deal somewhere in that $17 million range um, because he, he just he just represents so much upside as a player and he is still so young. Some team that is looking to just throw an offer sheet at a talented young player will likely be willing to. I look at a team like Atlanta and I look at a team like the Magic as teams who could potentially get themselves involved. Maybe even the Suns, I don't really know. But I would say that he's probably he would probably get an offer sheet around $17 million a year between three and four years um, from an opposing team. Wancher Hernan Gum is a different conversation. He could get anywhere between a minimum deal or a 10 million per year deal depending on how teams view him. I think it's much more obvious or I think it's much more I guess expected that he would make much less than 10 million a year, but that would not surprise me if a team offered him 3 years 30 million dollars. That just would not surprise me. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. It means the world to me. I have so much fun doing it, and being able to interact with fans and listeners is just so much fun. So please continue to listen. Please make sure you go into Apple Podcasts and you leave me a five-star review and an actual written review about what you like or do not like about the show. Please reach out to me on Twitter. Please share it on social media. Those things help me more than I could ever describe, and I appreciate everybody who does it all the time. Uh, this has been it. We're, we are there. We are 24 hours away from the Denver Nuggets tipping off against the Portland Trailblazers for the very first regular season game of the 2019-20 season. Happy NBA Day. We will talk to you guys later.
Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flower and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet, with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com.